This is the Handsome Hockey Podcast, episode 83, here from a submarine in the bottom of the Atlantic. Uh, unfortunately, we are not billionaires, so we can't, uh, we couldn't have uh, afforded being there, but couldn't afford it an expensive tomb. Yeah, it's a giant metal sarcophagus on the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Instead, we are in sort of sunny Portland, Oregon. This is what you get when you pay an obscene amount of money to go see a thing on which everybody died. Yep. Uh, it's jokes, karmic retribution. Yeah. Jokes on you. Titanic is two and O versus idle rich. Hopefully it's three and O pretty soon. As long as they're rich. I'm glad it's not like oceanographers and yeah, they're safe. Uh, yeah. Like they, they, ride into the bottom of the ocean in submarines that weren't made from parts from local hardware stores like or aren't controlled by a playstation 5 controller <laughs> i mean all of that is i don't know not super true because like it, it, it's actually i was reading about the sub it's actually like very technically uh advanced um the dude running it also really uh, was against any sort of regulation on it and uh xbox controller that that's just a usb piece of hardware like i don't know it's not a bad bad deal but uh yeah it seems like it's got about the same chance as coming back as oliver ekman larson's career I love it when we foreshadow in the, in the, the soft open. It's, it's really great. Um, since we last recorded, uh, the Stanley cup was awarded. What? That, that rhymed. That was fast. And that rhymed, uh, recorded and awarded. God, come on. I can already talk better than I could last episode. It's no musician, Wisconsin. <laughs> um, in, in case you uh, either a hate hockey and don't watch it and are just listening to this podcast out of some sort of affinity for Evan and I, you're just here for the submarine takes. Yeah, I've got so many submarine hot takes. The Vegas Golden Knights have defeated the Florida Panthers in what could probably be declared as dominant. Yeah, uh, they crushed them um, like the Steely Depths. <laughs> it was an implosion by the florida panthers especially on the defensive end and in net yeah i mean turns out you can't go ape shit and gold forever and Bobrovsky finally hit the wall i mean i think he mostly just hit a far deeper and superior team that doesn't have like radko gudas as your third best defenseman um yeah Vegas just controlled the puck in that zone and, and owned them. Um, I mean, credit to Florida for getting here, but they just, they were the second best team on the ice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we had talked, you know, way, way, way back when that 
it didn't seem so much like the Panthers had beaten Boston, but that Boston had kind of beaten themselves. And, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Florida's run. Like it was outstanding and it kind of, uh, echoes Montreal's run a couple of years ago. You get a hot goaltender and you win some games that and some series that you, the prognosticators don't think you will, you know, you, you rode this hot goalie up into the playoffs and then not even into the playoffs, like through the playoffs, through the playoffs. And then you meet the juggernaut and they dismantle you. Yep. It was, uh, quite a dismantling in five game series. It was kind of nice to see Florida get one out. So it's not just a sweep. So you don't have like, your coach go on to say you got you didn't get swept when you got swept like that saved it just from that awkwardness um but yeah they beat him nine three in game five uh oof yeah at the end uh the <laughs> vegas was still scoring goals and you kind of wanted to be like, no, just not in the face, not in the face. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was kind of like Vegas was, they knew that the Con Smythe was still sort of like up for grabs. And so like, oh, how many goals can I score? Like Mark Stone's like, oh, I'm going to pull myself back into this race. Because um, he had three. And I didn't realize this until uh, after the fact. But um, they've been saving hats from all their hat tricks all year. And so uh, they pulled one hat one one last hat out for mark stone to save oh beautiful nicholas wa scored the ninth goal and was clearly very excited because he'd scored a goal in the stanley stanley cup finals but it was also much more subdued than like mark stone had been earlier in the game Mm -hmm. because it was like yeah okay like (laughs) right it's nine to three now yeah you start to like Worry about your safety if you score too many goals and run up the score too much. Yeah. Um, you know, also, it, we would be remiss if we didn't point out that, you know, Matthew Kachuk had played in games three and four with a broken sternum and broken ribs. Yeah. Uh, several cracked ribs. And everyone basically said, oh, he's out. Game over. It turns out he was scratched for game five. And yeah, that was... That was exactly the case. I mean, how to make an argument for your relevance by your absence. um, (laughs) There aren't too many stark contrasts like we just saw. And then there were the chants. They started late in the second period saying, we want the cup. When, I mean, they blew them out of the water in the second period. Like it it was actually a close game up until early in the second. And uh, yeah, late in the second it the game was over and they start chanting and they started kept chanting through the third period. And I don't know. It, it, they just like marched Florida out of the building. It, it was a close game and score, but as I was watching, I was just sitting there. I, I didn't think Vegas was going to score nine goals, but I was like, Vegas is really running this game. Like they, Florida had very little offensive zone pressure mm-hmm. They were getting like Vegas was just like walking, waltzing over the blue line into Florida's zone. Like Florida had no means of controlling any sort of entry. Uh, And, you know, Bobrovsky had looked a little shaky here and there. 
Bobrovsky played the entire game despite giving up nine goals. And I can kind of understand, like, okay, you know, I want you to go down. I want to go down with the ship, so to speak. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't even mean to do that one. Uh, and um, his team just was like, okay, we're, we're done. We, we're out of here. And Vegas just didn't let up, really. I mean, they they didn't, like, super try and run up the score, but the Florida goals- stopped playing hockey. The goals were just kind of there. Yeah. And I mean, what? They pulled their goalie. They pulled him for an extra attacker at one point. Is at that one right? point, I think it was like five to two. And they were like, ah, fuck it. It's the fifth game of the Stanley Cup finals. And we're down three to one, which, you know, yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then there's like, all right, well. That was when Mark Stone got his third. Yeah. Was the uh, empty netter. I'm like, ah, get up, get up, put it back in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get out there bob <laughs> that was uh that was rough i felt bad for him but i understood why he was out there we touched on the con smythe earlier uh that went to jonathan marcia show marcia show marcia show yeah one of the best player names now uh becomes one of the best trophy hardware winners he wins one of the most important trophies in hockey which is the the mvp of the finals he won 13 of 18 first place votes uh, Eichel was a distant second with five. Um, yeah, we obviously put some conjecture towards who would win it because, well, it sort of could have been anybody. Uh, Aiden Hill, I think, got some love uh, in the like second, third place voting. Um, it's he just always had the extra poetry with him, and so I guess, like in hindsight, oh yeah, that was always going to be where it was going. Um, like Eichel's got this sort of like, fuck you story, but he was left. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau was left unprotected by Florida in the expansion draft. And they specifically traded Riley Smith to Vegas so that they would take this one Jonathan Marcheseau that they didn't want. Um, or, I mean, seemed like the best asset they had to give up. And when you look at the players that they protected, you're like, Oh, <laughs> it's, well, it's not good. Uh, I mean, some of it was their cap situation. I think. Yeah, it was Barkov. Absolutely. Huberto. Absolutely. Nick Trocek. Sure. Yeah. Good player who you then let leave for nothing or Vincent Trocek, not mm-hmm. Nick Trocek. Nick Bugstad, Ekblad. I mean, wouldn't he been on a no move? No. They could have taken Ekblad? No, Ekblad was protected. Keith Yandel, Mark Pissick, and Alexander Petrovic. Uh, I sort of don't want to belabor this too much, but they must have had somebody else that they were keen on keeping. Well, I, I mean, like, I don't know. That's very strange. I read this article in The Athletic uh-huh. about how the power structure had worked in Florida at that time. And Dale Talon had been the GM for quite some time. He was bumped upstairs and they brought in this like highly analytical team to kind of take them to the next level. Okay. And they uncovered Jonathan Marsha show in this, like in this, like this small period of time. Got it. And then Florida went out and was like 
if I remember correctly, like kind of good, but not good enough. And so the ownership put Dale Talon back in charge. And the first thing Dale Talon was did was basically offer Jonathan Marsha show up to Vegas. Yeah. It, and Riley Smith. Dale Talon's done a lot of good things, but also a lot of bad things yeah. <laughs> movement wise in his uh, 10 years. But it's crazy. Somewhere he is in shambles, no doubt. Over Jonathan Marcheseau. Uh Marcheseau, who, what, he's like all of 5'9 and uh, hit Lundell and called him Little Man, even though he's also 5'9. They're like the same height. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, and he is forever ingrained in this like amazing image of him like shouting up it's a top-down look at all the players like surrounding him and it vaguely sort of looks like the part in game of thrones where Jon snow is in the midst of like a medieval battle and uh they they do like a top-down shot and he's like looking up and um i don't know if you haven't seen this image look it up it's really cool yeah it also kind of looked like a heart Mm -hmm. yeah love it's what makes Vegas Vegas. No, that's no, that's casinos. Um, it's what makes Reno Reno. Yeah, yes, the biggest little city Love. on the planet. Um, Bruce Cassidy made a really awesome decision in that he started the five misfits uh, to start the game. Five of the possible six. Yeah, only because you can't start six without you know jettisoning jettisoning your your goalie. Well, apparently they. Uh, joked about that william carrier was like uh you can put me in net for a little bit um <laughs> when bruce actually approached him before the game and said um i can only take five of you six out on the ice with me and uh he was the odd man out and i don't know that just was very interesting call and very classy move by by bruce cassidy yeah especially since you know bruce had just gotten there right like he mm-hmm. he wasn't there for the first four years of the of the franchise's history and he obviously went to great lengths to kind of embrace that team and the culture they had built there mm-hmm. instead of like forcing his own stamp onto it or yeah anything it, of that nature it generally does feel like they do have some good guys in that locker room um you know you can't fake that kind of chemistry that they you can tell what they have. Um, and yeah, all of the six misfits got handed the cup first. So Riley Smith got the, got it first out of all of them. Uh, but then I think it went to Eichel and the rest of rest of the crew. Um, yeah. As, as you were saying, Bruce Cassidy actually is sort of in a novel position here. He's the first guy in 20 years to win a cup in his first full season with a team. There have been some people get hired halfway through and have won cups, but he's the first guy to do exactly one year win a cup in 20 years. Alex Petrangelo won his second cup. Uh, his, the first one with St. Louis a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he, when they first made that deal, to bring Petrangelo in. Yeah, I thought it was a bad idea. I thought they, I thought they were overpaying him. Turns out he blocked almost as many shots as like the Florida Panthers did in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. It, he had a outsized role on the ice, even if it wasn't always showing up in points. 
yeah i remember watching and like every time a florida play got broken up just like seeing petrangelo flying across the screen and being like ah yeah he is uh just has a dominant range for a defenseman i mean he's huge he can skate unless nathan mckinnon's coming at him (laughs) oh no (laughs) classic i mean i'm sure he uh I'm sure he has nightmares about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have nightmares about my fears while playing hockey getting exposed via like recorded. (laughs) Like I'm really glad I play beer league roller hockey instead. (laughs) Yeah. They don't mic us up there. People are talking about maybe Petrangelo looking like a hall of famer. Do you think that's got legs? Yeah. I I, I mean, he's been one of the, top defenseman in the nhl for a good five years now he's had a good run including two cups um gold medal i think i wouldn't be opposed to him in the hall i i don't think there's a there's anything to say oh well, that guy yeah it's kind of like he's a little boring <laughs> in a way like oh yeah you're just you're huge and really good but I, I don't know, as opposed to like P.K. Subban or somebody that has won a, a percentage of what he has, but has been like really exciting while doing less. And has um, a Norris Trophy. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Phil Kessel was not even, this is mostly unprompted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, he, he's in our Hall of Fame and, and f- even further for this. Yeah, and, and like in our hearts, number one, uh, he has always had kind of a stained relationship with the media after Toronto, the media in Toronto basically rode him out of town. Yeah. just made it untenable. And like in that everyone chose Phil Kessel's side kind of. Yeah. And so when speaking to reporters, Phil Kessel said back in my Toronto days, they didn't think I could win. Right now I'm a three timer. Ooh, zing. And in that time, Toronto has won one playoff series. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Phil didn't exactly do a whole lot for Vegas's cup run. Uh, he mostly brought his thrill to the press box. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he was a good guy in the room and practices. Like, everyone loves Phil Kessel. So if you don't love Phil Kessel, like, that's like not loving Golden Retriever puppies. Like... <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, they're adorable and they might pee on you. Like, they're great. And speaking of animals, he sort of looked like a muskrat while he was saying this. Or like, kind of like a marmot. Uh, His playoff beard, you can tell he's spending a lot of time in the press box, like trimming his beard or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like perfectly like round and primped. It was very impeccable. On Instagram, somebody, like they talked about the cup is here and somebody posted has Phil Kessel eaten any hot dogs out of it yet? And Jack Eichel posted a comment or a reply to that comment and said, I can confirm he has eaten at least one. (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy. In Portland local news, Aiden Hill was the the backstop for this huge run uh, with Vegas uh, coming in after Lauren Brossois was hurt. And I think game four of their opening round series after like, 
the five goalies that started before him were hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like goalies for Vegas this year were like drummers from Spinal Tap. Like they would just die and be replaced with another <laughs> dude. This is a, a big story, you know, just for his career, but also he was a Portland Winterhawk. Um, and so, you know, kudos to a local, local legend for making it, make it in the big show. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know until I think they won the cup that he was a Winterhawk. This is the playoffs were kind of a redemption story for Jack Eichel too, I think. Oh and yeah. That he had been labeled a loser, um, and it turns out now that's just Buffalo, um, who, hey, they might be on the verge of a breakthrough in that department as well. But uh, I yeah, it, like it can be a just a mismatch at time. Like it, Buffalo just didn't have the anything. ability to surround him with a team and they were moribund and he got stuck with poopy coaches. So like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out in a place and you go to the next place and then it does. And I also think he maybe got a little, treated with a little bit more respect and they also expected more out of him in that he defended like a, a really like a, a world champion center should. Um, yeah, there was a, a two way game to Eichel's play in these playoffs that you probably wouldn't have seen in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, guess who led all forwards in blocks? Tanya Harding. <laughs> Not a bad guess. Uh, but yeah, Jack, Mr. Eichel himself, he controlled play too. Like he was just a, a dominant centerman. I think he, he, I think he had the most points in the playoffs. Uh, he had, I think three more assists in the final game. Uh, he had, he also had the third most, or maybe it was the second most when all was said and done, uh, points in a first playoff appearance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just goes to show kind of, I think goes back to that camaraderie we were talking about earlier in the Vegas locker room. You know, here comes this guy who, you know, Vegas gave up some decent pieces for mm -hmm. Jack Eichel, um, pieces that have played really well in Buffalo. Yeah. And he had these hugely negative labels attached to his career and him as a person and Vegas, the locker room there just kind of assimilated him into it. And now when you see these interviews with him, you see him playing on the ice, he looks thrilled mm -hmm. and yeah, winning does that obviously. But at the same time, like you realize that, maybe the the stinky poo about him was a little overblown exactly from his time in buffalo speaking of vegas goalies during this and this is unconfirmed but we're gonna we're gonna guess it's true uh robin laner was petting a snake yeah uh, or like maybe a, hundreds of snakes <laughs> like a bond villain <laughs> yes come into my lair yes <laughs> uh speaking of villains um someone was arrested by Vegas police after threatening to shoot up game five and uh, turn it into, I think this was their words, like the second Mandalay Bay massacre, which kind of is a weird way to like connect the fact that like the team was formed right before this massacre and actually like became a bit of a part of the Vegas resilience story. Uh, they were very active in the community at the time. The Vegas uh, strong thing kind of took 
a huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it galvanized the team in a way that they maybe weren't otherwise mm-hmm. uh, to have this, you know, really terrible story play out around them. Um, Hopefully the person who did this one, his name is erased from history books and hopefully he fucking disappears. Like we, he like, like we, we trade him to Russia and we're like, just put him in a gulag and they just have him like peeling potatoes and having metals shards tucked into his fingernails for the rest of his life. The, the problem was this guy was Mike, ba- Mike Babcock. <laughs> no, he would have said, I'm going to shoot up all of the young players. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to take my gun to the AHL and I'm going to kill my prospects. <laughs> you know, kind of to recap the end of the season and the end of the finals here, an impressive run by Florida. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, obviously you want to win the cup, right? But there's no shame in how they played throughout the playoffs. And even like played to get into the playoffs. I think we are coming out of this playoff saying Matthew Kachuk might be a top five player in the NHL. Oh, easily. And like possible like crossover star, which would be really cool to get one of those in hockey. Um he's got a little bit more personality than Connor McDavid and he's in a little bit better, which is to say he has personality. <laughs> he's got some personality. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not white bread. He's wheat bread. Um, but he he's might wheat, even be pumpernickel, but he's wheat bread in Miami. Yeah. And, uh, you know, might find his way onto a, a sandwich at Versailles. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the cover athlete for the next NHL EA sports game as well. Oh, that's happening. Yeah, that's got to happen. Unless it's William Carlson drunkenly lifting the cup. I mean, we can make that cover. That would be that would be my cover um, because he sort of saw Nikita Kucherov's press conference from a couple of years ago and said, I can I can do you one better. And he he obviously drew some inspiration from uh, Corey Crawford with fucking right Chicago um, <laughs> and, and gave a drunken parade speech for the ages. I, you know, they don't call him Wild Bill for nothing. And, <laughs> and this was he had to live up to his nickname and boy, howdy, did he ever. Yeah, it. it some are saying that it might be the best speech ever. Um, I really want straight to... Straight up there with friends, countrymen. Yeah. <laughs> Lend me your ears. Straight up with Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> um, like Obama reads William Carl's. This guy, this fucking guy, he was here day one. I, I kind of want to read it as like New Jersey mobster. This guy, this fucking guy, he was here day one. And you know... You have been here day fucking one. You guys are amazing. We played Arizona in the first game. We beat the shit out of them. And, uh. I, and I had no points, but that's okay, because in year one, I was pretty fucking great. But you guys were greater, and we've been up and down this journey to the cup. You know, there's some funny stats oh, yeah. that have come out of this, uh, especially with Eichel winning the cup. Um, 
per Mike Gould on Twitter, the Oilers had the first overall pick in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2015. And every single player that was picked second behind the Oilers pick has now won the cup. That's crazy. The Oilers, not so much. Yeah. (laughs) Canada, not so much. Uh, Yeah. To which I would say, oof. Uh, Yeah, those players being... Taylor Hall, drafted before Tyler Sagan. Uh, Nail Yakupov, drafted before Ryan Murray, who won a cup last year with the Avalanche. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, drafted before Gabe Landeskog, who has been sent into the Goku zone and is making his way back to the NHL over the next three years. Got to collect all the Dragon Balls. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, McDavid Eichel. Um, McDavid Eichel... I think becomes like one of the really interesting conversations now because Eichel looked like what was sort of promised and McDavid, I mean, just hasn't had the supporting cast because he is still on the team that drafted him. Like they have so much, they almost have too much wrapped up capital wise. Uh, Whereas Eichel like by, having his medical issues and flaming out with the team that drafted him compressed his value enough where he could join a team that was. He also had a no movement clause that he would only waive for Vegas. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, any more thoughts on the overall cup run season? I'm glad it's over. No, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm like uh, thinking about watching like game seven of the Calder Cup. Like, yeah, <laughs> sad hockey over. Well, like the draft is next week and then we get free agency and uh, the new I'm season. Gonna be, I'm going to be out of the pocket for a while. So by the time mm-hmm. I get back and we can record again, like we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah. Next season is feels like it's already coming up super fast. Uh, just on how the draft is coming up on us. It's so here. fast. I mean, at least like there probably won't be too many, uh, unpredictable things happening around the draft. No, that's not true. It's going to be madness. Uh, even though the free agent market is not super stacked. I think that is what will make the, the draft madness is the fact that it's a relatively paltry free agent class. I mean, we'll probably see at least, half of winnipeg get traded this year this offseason i don't know uh, mm-hmm. yeah it, maybe calgary too uh it, it's gonna be it'll be something to watch for here as we uh, move into july in the next couple of weeks like what happens in a couple of cities boston mm-hmm. uh you know everybody's still up against the cap yeah which is Except allegedly carolina oddly enough yeah which i mean the cap is allegedly going up like but like one million dollars yeah but that hasn't officially happened yet yeah it hasn't officially been named like it's like gary just wrote out an iou and photocopied it and faxed it to everybody and uh they're like uh gonna pay me buddy and he's like yeah maybe <laughs> as he's running out the door but he yeah. trips on his shoelaces. <laughs> Great way to treat your owners, Gary. Uh, it is. I 
don't know if anyone else read this the way I did, but I felt like the fastest to the cup diagrams and metrics and talk from everybody from TNT to ESPN was just like shoved down our throats during this series because, well, we didn't have a whole lot else to talk about besides uh, the six misfits, which was also shoved down our throats. But I don't know, this fastest to the cup language just seemed in my eyes like directly advertising to the prospective owners that the NHL is sort of obviously courting now. Um, and Houston and Atlanta in probably not Quebec city, but maybe in salt Lake. I don't know. It's just like the NHL wanted this message, like piped into billionaires houses and decided that ESPN is probably the way to do it. And that's not a bad, bad read. Yeah. The, uh, the worldwide leader in sports is always a good mouthpiece for leagues. And uh, <laughs> I mean, like the NFL asks them, tells them to jump and they say how high. So, you know, it's time for the NHL to kind of exercise that sort of marketing capability. Gary's like, where can I get an Adam Schefter? And Elliot Friedman's like, I've been here for years. He's like, TSN, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah, ESPN needs like their version of an Elliot Friedman. It's not Chris Chelios. We know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, actually, isn't Elliot Friedman with uh, Daily Faceoff? Yeah, I mean, he's got some allegiances, but um, yeah, ESPN needs something like that. It was a good season uh, overall. I think we're we're going to see a little bit of madness this this summer and a lot of teams getting real clever to try and stay under the cap and improve their teams. Um, yeah, I think right now there's like only like four or five teams underneath the the cap floor so okay there's gonna be there, there's just there's just not a lot of cap space to go around uh edmonton has to resign like nine guys and only has five million dollars to do it uh including evan bouchard uh yeah it's it and you know you fucking know ken holland's gonna try and sign jonathan taves like <laughs> you just fucking know like i need corpses i mean players <laughs> and philly's busy bringing in cap dumps and like at some point they're just going to hire a fish <laughs> and john leclerc oh yeah that's the other thing is philly can't stop hiring old players like if you've played for philadelphia in the last 55 years man get that application and you can be you can be a greeter at the very least yeah. jeremy ronick's like i don't have a job i don't have a job <laughs> i mean he his brand might work in philly like today i don't know we'll see misogynistic pud <laughs> yes <laughs> that's what i meant yeah um moving on to uh other things that have happened in the world uh our quick hit section this uh, today leads off with the senators have been sold finally, although the deal is it's not finalized and probably won't be until the end of the summer. But Michael Anlauer and his consortium have have bought the Ottawa senators for what is reportedly nine hundred and fifty million dollars, um, which I believe is the most expensive price tag on an nhl franchise yeah i don't know why but it, there's some been some like wishy-washy reporting on like 
is it 950 million? Is it 1 billion? Like it, it, it's just one of those things that it's so big. It's still not completely worked out yet. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the NHL was like, Hey, make it 1.1 billion and we'll like refund you the, <laughs> to the back to 950 million. We just want it to look like we have a $1 billion franchise. Yeah. They're like the people like bringing dirt up a mountain to like make it a bigger mountain. Uh, yeah. They're bringing dirt up a, a whatever, a, a butte to make it into a mountain. I think they did that to Mount Bachelor. Yeah. It's, it is very interesting. Uh, apparently he was in early and outlasted uh, a lot of other bid bids very patiently. Um, yeah, it was, it was something along the lines of he wasn't showy about it. He just kind of put in his bid and was like, talk to me when you're ready to talk. And Ottawa came back a couple months later and was like, Hey, Hey, we're ready to talk. Yeah. Uh, there's talk of this whole deal being very messy and very public, but then like you also didn't actually hear about it other than that. Yeah. Because, so, well, like the NHL usually does, they didn't publicize fucking anything. Right. But it's, yeah, it's very strange that like you hear from Elliot Friedman, like, Oh, this was very contentious and very dirty and very nasty. And you didn't hear anything else about this from anybody. So like, I don't know. Billionaires just, keep their shit close and away from us plebes i guess henry or henri or henri uh, henri uh richard famous hero to many montreal teams back in the day way back in the day uh, it's revealed that he had stage three cte at the time of his death Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a study of 17 former nhl players across like various eras uh, and their brains and 16 of 17 had CTE, which is not surprising for how violent the sport can be. And yeah, that half of these guys played before helmets. Yeah. Also, yeah, real shocking, right? Um, I think I do think it will be interesting to see this study in 20 years. Sure. Uh, for players who played in helmet era I think helmet technology for the NHL has rapidly increased in the last like 15 years or so. Mm -hmm. It's still a dangerous game played by big fast men. And, and when you're playing it your whole life to get to that stage, I would think that you're still going to see it in just maybe in slightly diminished concentrations. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, I mean, you're seeing organizations uh, throughout the world take, uh, steps to prevent that i think what is it usa hockey doesn't allow checking before i think 14 years old now at this point yeah they've adapted that quite a bit yeah and that's been on the books for a long time uh you see uh fighting and checking being taken out of canadian leagues in some places uh it's it is nice to see the nhl actually take steps to uh, combat this. Whereas the NFL has, you know, like secretly spent millions of dollars to try and downplay the effects of CTE on, on people's brains. Yeah. There's gotta be like some backroom conspiracy room, like where the NFL UFC, the NHL, and I don't know, maybe like the producers of survivor or like 
conspiring to keep CTE out of the limelight. Yeah, it's called boardrooms at ESPN. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Speaking of Montreal Canadiens, Sean Monaghan has re-signed a pretty sizable uh, try or show me deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, One year, $1.985 million. Uh, Sizable, not for the money, but for the opportunity that it grants Sean Monaghan. Uh, He was having a really solid return to form, not quite reaching his heights that he had with Calgary, but having a very solid year and would have probably been a major trade chip uh, for Montreal had he stayed healthy, but he did not stay healthy, missed a big chunk of the season. So he's really betting on himself to carry that momentum forward. Yeah. Also, Montreal needs like some adults in that room. And so I understand the need there for someone that's over the age of 15 uh, to play for that team. Cause what your stars are Cole Caulfield, Kirby doc, Nick Suzuki, Nick Suzuki might be like secretly like 24. I don't know. In some of the best NHL names ever. Zemgus Gergensen's has signed a contract to stay in Buffalo one year's $2.5 million. Uh, the big contract really was Jesper Brat, uh, or Brat, depending on who you're talking to, uh, re-signing with the Devils eight years, seven point eight five million. Uh, Devils fans are like, wait, does this mean we don't get Timo Meyer? And the Devils are like, whoa, 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 <laughs> <Easy> <laughs> we're up. working on it. Chill. <laughs> um, he's an RFA. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> um. And the other contract, big contract news. Yeah, the, the lack thereof, the absence of contract news. Uh, OEL, Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, was bought out of his four-year remaining contract. Uh, he's going to get, he's going to count 2.4 mil against the cap for uh, the Canucks for the next eight years. Which is hilarious because the Canucks made a mind-numbingly stupid trade to bring him and his 8.25 million per year contract in which sent it was a pick the pick that, that got dylan genther yeah okay so it was a pick that became dylan genther who looked very solid as a rookie this year <laughs> like, yeah exactly and this buyout also speaking of the coyotes yeah it affects the coyotes because they retained salary in the deal and so they can't they lose a buyout i guess Huh. That's kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. Like, why are you trying to fuck over the Yotes, man? (laughs) But it's it's also very funny because then they turned around and immediately uh, bought out Zach Cashin, Zach Andor Cashin, Cashin Andor, uh uh, and Patrick Nemeth, both of which you don't know were still in the NHL. uh, And they aren't anymore because, well, they were bought out. But now... The Coyotes have, A, more 2023 draft picks than they have players on their roster. Uh, B, $23.3 million, 28% of their cap, uh, coming from players who will not play a game next year, per cap friendly. That's insane. Yeah, what is that? Voracek and Shea Weber and Brian Little? Funny you should ask. They're directly below. Oh. Hey there. Uh, Yeah, so... Reading is hard, dude. $1.8 million from Dead Cap for Cashin, Nemeth, and OEL. Um, 
And then their LTIRs are just a slew of former greats. Just hilarious. Like, how do you expect to make a franchise palatable to an owner when you're spending almost 30% of cap on non-iceable people? Like, I understand there's a cap floor and a lot of this is to get there, but... I don't know. This situation is just looking less and less tenable. And I don't understand what the hell the coyotes are going to do. Move to Houston. Um, (laughs) This is true. Speaking of probably untenable, uh, Peter Laviolette was hired by the Rangers (laughs) and this seems dumb. Yeah. uh, Also like he has a record of being really good with teams really quickly before he flames out really fast too and that's kind of what the rangers need in a way um i don't know it yeah they're up against it right and like this gm's not gonna hire another coach and they needed a win now kind of coach um a lot of their good options were already gone and yeah, I mean, they could have signed Gerard Gallant. He didn't have a contract. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, any sort of James Dolan ran ship is uh, likely to come aground. So, yeah. It's or inter- sink to the bottom of the fucking ocean with billionaires on, on board. Oh, yeah. I mean, there there's an analogy for the Rangers. We've got uh, Jerome Ginla being hired as a special assistant to the GM in Calgary. Uh, kind of a return for one of the best players in Calgary history. Um, Somebody's got to write that ship. Yeah. Well, this had been rumored for quite some time. I think like Pierre Lebron or Elliot Friedman had been talking about this in like March. Yeah. And so he's uh, been close with the team for a while. Yeah. It was something like he was coaching his kids. Uh, or i think his youngest son and uh he like his son graduated to like the next level of hockey and so now he's available (laughs) which is (laughs) like super honorable (laughs) like like, how amazing of jerome mcginla to be like oh no sorry nhl i'm busy coaching my kids team yeah that is super rad that's also very like jerome mcginla too 100 that's like right up there with him getting interviewed <laughs> do you remember the story he got interviewed by i think it was boston's uh boston sports reporter from like one of the local stations they're like so what do you think about the bruins the playoffs and if they pan it's jerome Ginla, and he's like oh i think it's really great i'm excited to see what the team can do this year <laughs> i need <laughs> and, to like, see this he had that's just great. been traded to the boston i think <laughs> oh yeah oh that's very funny oh that's great um yeah i mean Maybe like, I don't, uh, I thought of something dumb to say, but yeah. Um, Jason Spezza, uh, has signed on as the associate general or assistant to the general manager, right? No associate general manager. Yeah. Two sort of stars of the same era. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Getting kind of like parallel front office jobs. I mean, Spezza has been, been in it for a year or so, but, yeah. uh, well, there was a lot of talk that, Spezza had been given the word that he would be the next GM in Toronto Mm -hmm. or elevated to assistant GM 
or associate GM, and then they fired Carl Dubas, and Jason Spezza was like, deuces, I'm out, and <laughs> yeah, left. That's my, that's my guy. And they hired Brad True Living. Kyle Dubas lands with Pittsburgh, and surprise, surprise, Jason Spezza is now an associate GM with, with the Penguins. Yeah, I love Sean McIndoe pointed out that he's actually assistant to nobody as Pittsburgh does not actually have a general manager. Yeah. They have a president of hockey ops. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it's a good gig if you can get it. They say nobody wants to work anymore. Yeah. I'll, I, I don't want to have a boss. <laughs> um, it, what you want to do is you want to be able to choose your boss. And that's exactly what Alex Dabrinkit is kind of in the middle of doing. He has basically said that he doesn't want to resign a long-term deal in Ottawa. And honestly, I think this is, this, this is very responsible of him. Mm -hmm. The ownership, this uh, situation isn't, isn't, isn't in flux. Uh, Pierre Dorian, is the GM, but you don't know what new ownership is going to do with, mm -hmm. with a team. Um, so there's just a lot of uncertainty in Ottawa and Alex Brinkett has said he wants out. Yeah. He's coming off of a disappointing season. Um, but he's going to have pretty steep contract demands. And he's I think at 66 points. I mean, sure. Yeah. But I mean, for him comparatively, like that was a pretty yeah, significant absolutely. step down. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I think everyone realized pretty quickly it's not going to work out. And I think Ottawa lost a bit on a gamble to bring him in from Chicago. They paid quite a bit um, at the Chicago fire sale. Yeah, I think it was like a seventh pick and like a 31st pick or an early second rounder or something like that. Um. They're not going to get anything back no. like that. Uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and Elliot Friedman was saying, you know, you're looking more at like a reasonable, like middle six person and like maybe some second and third round picks or a yeah, relatively right. good prospect. Mm -hmm. Like you're probably not getting a first rounder back especially because uh, Alex Dabrinkat has named the teams that he wants to be traded to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those teams are the Nashville Predators, Dallas Stars, Vegas and Florida, surprising, and the Detroit Red Wings, his hometown team. Um, there will be a lot of pressure on Pierre Dorian to get this done. We'll probably see that, honestly, in the next week or two weeks or so with the draft coming up and then free agency starting the desire to get this deal done is is going to be really paramount uh, it'll probably be one of those infamous sign and trade deals where he signs a contract with uh, ottawa or one it'll of those. be a guaranteed i will sign this deal here's you know, like i have a contract that i have agreed to and then i sign with whatever team right yeah, one one of those legendary sign-in trades. Speaking of sign-in trades, I don't think we covered this last week, and this did happen in the last week, but um, Damon Severson was the subject of a sign-in trade. Yeah, like, uh, shockingly. Yeah, so he got eight years, $6.25 sent to the Blue Jackets. 
who are doing just fucking stupid things this <laughs> off season. Hey, maybe I mean, you know what? Maybe it all works out. But um, it's curious. I mean, he's a pretty good player. He's made a little redundant there with Luke Hughes coming up and uh, some other Devils defensive prospects falling falling into place. Um, what do the Devils get in return? A third round pick. Meh. A third round pick to facilitate a trade that was already going to happen anyways. Yeah, that's a good deal. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think Alex Dabrinka is probably at the top, if not one of the, or is one of the top, you know, five most likely to be traded guys, if not at the top of that list. And you know, it will, we'll see how this all plays out, but there's a genuine chance that, that we see uh, Alex Dabrinkat on a different team very soon. Uh, I oh, think, it's happening. Yeah, I think it's a very untenable situation for him in yeah. Ottawa at this point. Just um, as what's going on in Winnipeg, where Connor Hellebuck has essentially said the same thing uh, reportedly. Yep. Connor Hellebuck is probably out. Uh, Shifley's probably out. Pierre-Luc Dubois is definitely out. Yeah. Calgary has uh, like eight guys who are uh, free agents to be. Noah Hannafin has said he's not going to resign with Calgary. Uh, maybe they'll just trade them all for each other. Yeah. And and like those dudes then don't even need to move all that far. Yeah. Oh, well, Canada's huge, bud. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then one final note, uh, from the PHF rankings, uh, ranks Teresa Vanasova, uh, hero Mm -hmm. of the, the Isabel cup finals who scored the game winning goal. Uh, in overtime has signed a new one year deal to stay in Toronto. Uh, one of the pods, our pods, not the Connecticut whale pod, but our podcast uh, favorites and the, in the women's game, uh, one hell of a player and uh, now a defending uh, will stay in Toronto to defend their championship. Well, I think that's it for us this week. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, fresh out of things i mean cruising uh we're gonna take a bit of a break um we've got things going on summer vacations and such and uh we're gonna come at you in a couple weeks and after this off-season news plays out a little bit our next episode will probably be quite long (laughs) yeah so we're just saving up for that yeah i i'm i'll spend the next two to three weeks lubricating my throat. <laughs> Take uh, that however you want, listening public. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we hope that you all can uh, stay afloat in the meantime. Yeah. Thank you so much for continuing to hang out and listen to us. Um, we know you all listen on Thursdays, but if you want to listen other days of the week, that'd be great too. Um, we have these weird spikes on Thursdays that are pretty funny to us um but i enjoy it yeah we'll we'll take it we're all about this bike but thursday 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 but if you want to listen on uh let's say uh tuesday we see you yeah well we're we're rooting for you um you can find us all over the interwebs the internets um handsomehockey.com is our web page handsome hockey podcast on instagram at handsome hockey on twitter 
handsomehockeypod at gmail.com is our email address. We have a Facebook page uh, if you're an elder millennial. And we also have a YouTube page, which is I think I need to chock update full that of goodness. Um, maybe not updated, but chock full of goodness nonetheless. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. And as always, stay handsome, everybody. And also, don't get on a fucking submarine full of billionaires. Yeah, bad idea. Stay handsome, everybody.